Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. Hey, let's do some introductions. Hey, I'm Aaron Antone. I'm Matt Timms. I'm Sam Gutierrez. And we have back our very special guest, Brad Swope. Dr. BS. Hello, everyone. Dr. BS. So right. this is kind of rare. We'll have two episodes in a row with our same guest. It's funny, too, uh, because, <coughs> excuse me, I used to be just a pastor before I was a doctor, but nobody ever called me Pastor BS. But they like the ring of Dr. BS. Is it because we we sense that all academics, in essence, are full of BS? A little bit. But we give pastors more credit than that? A little bit. Oh. Why is it that no one ever called me Pastor BS? Yeah, that's it's because it's because pastors are supposed to be speaking <laughs> the truth or something like that. So there's just something weird. Like you're supposed to be encouraging, you're supposed to be nice. So Pastor BS. I don't know. It just yeah, yeah, it's a little too mean. Yeah, it? there's a li- it's <laughs> it's it, to me it doesn't feel quite it's not quite the the dig at a pastor, right? Like it's the perfect uh irony. Dr. BS is the perfect <laughs> juxtaposition. Right. You're because really taking the Mickey we, out of something. And we've all that. had professors <laughs> that we thought was f- they were full right. of BS, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh so yeah. That's an interesting observation. Yeah. We also have, uh, I'm just going to name this, we also have a silent observer in the room, Whoa. which sounds creepier than it is, but his name is Ben. He's our intern for the summer. We have not given him a mic. The so Holy Spirit is also here. Could we give yeah. him a job as a he's silent an intern? Observer. No, but, but he's here and he's not allowed to speak, which sounds cruel. <laughs> what if you were? But what if you were? This part happens of, all the time on podcasts. For no, people, but what if you were part of a laugh track or something? A like laugh we make track. A, that, we yeah, make a joke, it. and then we hear in the background. Let's allow, let's allow him to laugh. I think we should okay. actually have what? Ben count down. Anytime Sam starts talking, a Ben just starts guffaw. counting down from ten with his hands, so that <laughs> Sam knows when he's. We talk that's, too much. Wrap it up. No, I think we up. should allow Ben to laugh. I think that's a great idea. Let's say something funny. Well, to practice. But if people hear a laughter. That's not a usual laughter sound. Then it right. belongs to Ben. So don't be afraid. Okay. Off mic laughter, they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So okay. just wanted to, just wanted to put that in there. Just so let he everyone can contribute know. anytime you want to laugh at something. Yeah, it should be a hearty guffaw though to, to be picked up on by the, <laughs> by the. Oh, he's like he's laughing, but silently. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good at what he does that he's just laughing without making a sound. <laughs> in fact, we could tell everyone every time we have an intern in the room. Uh, they would never and know. And they would never know. They would right. never know. Until they this know. becomes a video podcast. Well, we have oh, thought wow. about live streaming it somehow. Yeah, that seems... We're playing to a live audience risky. of thousands right now, but we've asked them all to be totally silent. Yeah. Knowing yeah. how much editing magic Aaron does, it seems like a live a live performance might be a little risky. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have any like listener feedback or emails or handwritten letters or uh, tongue twisters or... I choose F, none of the above. <laughs> Well, we're going to do a, a segment, I think. Yeah, let's do a segment. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, is this this is a my list? This is a my list from me. Okay. okay. What kind yeah. of spectrum do you want to talk about? Well, here's the thing. So, my very first my list was uh, my favorite uh, green things. So, that was that was something special. I just want to put that out there. That was something special. If you want to know what that was all about, go back listen. I don't know when it was. Yeah, <laughs> episode so, one. Yeah, right? it, no, 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 no. It wasn't episode one. The my list came later. Uh, but uh, then I did a Christmas one. My favorite red things. First was green, then red. First was green, then, and I thought about doing uh, my favorite orange things today, but I didn't. Okay. Oh. Ooh. So I just, <laughs> real let down. <laughs> yeah. Real so let down. I thought, you know what? That was getting a little predictable. Colors going through the colors. Anyways, uh, so this is how this works. Um, uh, this is a list that I made up, and uh, it's n- this is not my favorite five things. These are just five things, so I'm kind of taking my cue from you guys. Okay, hold on. Pause right there, because <laughs> you have given us so much grief. <laughs> I know. You've given but... us such a hard time for saying, this is not five favorite things, this is just a list. Okay. Like, just ragging on us, and now you say, that was actually a brilliant idea. Yeah, well... We brought him, we brought him into the fold, yeah, you finally. Did. Okay. Yeah. okay, yeah. I shouldn't protest so much as marvel at your maturity. Okay, yeah. so, um, so here's... Uh, <laughs> Here's my list, okay? And feel free to chime in with um, thoughts, comments, ideas. Okay, what is the list? Okay, so this is uh, the top five things uh, that I would say first to an alien encounter. Okay. Okay, okay. so so okay. spaceship lands. Uh, yeah. Okay, spaceship has just landed in Sacramento. Okay. Yep. 
And I, for some reason, have been chosen to be the representative of the entire human race. Oh, cool. <laughs> Huge okay. mistake. Okay. No, no. <laughs> this is actually a pretty good decision. <laughs> I don't know how it was made, but, made but I was just informed that I am... I am the ambassador. I would, the I would have actively campaigned against this. <laughs> is there a big crowd gathered around? Oh, yeah. There's as a you big, go oh, yeah. to meet This is the, a ceremony. The we're talking about a ceremony Sam, right here. Sam, Sam, well, they're ch- Sam. Everyone's, everyone's a little cautious because this is no one knows exactly. Okay, right. So this is, um, this is what I would... These are the five things, the first five things I would say. And to, we know nothing about these aliens. No. Right. So, so they just is, landed in okay. their spaceship. They're not benevolent or malevolent. Well, okay. We so here, we okay, know. so here's my question. Or here's my uh, top five things I would okay. say. The first one is I would say, hello. And I would give a thumbs up. Oh, simultaneously. The international thumbs up. Yeah. Now, I'm hopefully, that this would not to be... Them. Yeah, hopefully... they mean... You remember the one in Mexico with... Uh, <laughs> so, hopefully, like thumbs Richard up would Nixon, not be right? interpreted as an act of... <laughs> Like war. I think. I think. Uh, I think hand gestures no, 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 should no. not be. In Everyone there. knows the thumbs up. They're from a different. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm thumbs up. Human. We're talking about aliens. I know, now. It's but, a whole different... but it'd be a smile, a thumbs up, and a hello. You know, don't they talk about like uh, chimpanzees? Like when they smile, it's like to bare their teeth. Like yeah. it's a sign yeah, of yeah, aggression. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have so no way that any, you're gonna how smile. Any of that's well, here's the thing. I, it's like hello, the thumbs up, and the smile is three ways of saying hi and. So they're, they're going to get one of them. Okay. Right. Hello. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to hear the other four before I critique everything. <laughs> There's nothing to critique here. I mean, well, what I would think, you start I with? I think one issue Did is you your, just... hand, your hand and a thumbs up is clenched. And that's, that's already, you want to come and show them that you have nothing, you have no An weapon. Open thumbs up. Did you just see <laughs> open arrival? What's something? that though? That's nothing. Okay. Okay. Uh, here's my second phrase so i've said hello my second one is please oh, these are in order these aren't five first things you'd say these are this is this is the order this say. is also the order oh okay okay, okay so, so hello, hello thumbs up and a smile okay um the second thing is please don't hurt us <laughs> <laughs> okay obviously this is a superior race they've just come and landed on their spaceship that's good so, point, so it's just like a petition please don't hurt us okay yeah okay. um <laughs> And then I want to ask a little something to break the ice. So this is the third thing. <laughs> okay. So this one, you're this one is... Your, um, your smile hasn't broken the ice. It was, no, no. So this one's, how was your trip? How was your trip? <laughs> Great. Okay, so let's just kind of get a little something going. But then um, my fourth question is, do you speak English? Okay. Because at uh, this point, I've realized that oh, they're like, yeah. clicking at, like clicking at me. Yeah. Like clicking and beeping. And like it sounds like... Yeah, yeah, something weird like that. Or yeah. they're sending you brain signals that you don't even aren't even audible. Yeah, yeah, you're just already here. You're getting really angry vibes in your head. Okay, so so how was your trip? And then they, I can't understand what they're saying. So then my second, my fourth English? question is, do you speak English? Okay. Uh, and then here's my my final question <laughs> to make them feel at home is, do you like beer? Okay. So here's my uh. question: Does the fifth question, does the fifth <laughs> question get asked in any scenario? Like if it's clear they do not speak English, do you still ask that fifth question? Oh yeah, that's right. Or do you right. just walk away? Well, that's a good question. I didn't think about that. I think I think you just barrel through those last two together. Do you speak English? Do you like beer? <laughs> you don't even give them. Time. I actually wanted to ask instead of beer. Do you? Would you like to eat some chocolate pudding with me? Oh, as a as a galactic gesture. Sure. Of. I mean, you're dining together. That's a well. Like a yeah, yeah. Really it's like let's share. Let's share communion. something sweet. Um, and mushy because <laughs> I don't know if they have teeth or not. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's let's, let's, answer. you can slurp it. You can eat it like with a spoon. You can chew it a little bit if you want. Really? This conversation just causes one thought to come to mind. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So, so you've heard my list. Now I want to <laughs> go around the room and hear a little feedback. So well, my, Brad, we'll my, my start with Brad. My feedback is pretty simple. I'm, I'm thinking what else should I have been doing this afternoon instead <laughs> of being here for hearing that list? Brad. Because... <laughs> Brent. Because that's that's a good two okay. minutes of my life. I'm just not going to get back. Brad. And I'm accountable to God, really, for how I use my time. I'm okay, just steward okay. of my time. Brad, this could happen someday in the future. <laughs> and now you have something that you can go off of. It's like a little... You can you can you can do your own twist on this, but oh now God, you got something. Please forgive me for the way I've used my time today. Amen. Next, We might invite Brad back someday just so he can do a list, and we'll just rip it apart. We'll just shred it. <laughs> okay, Aaron, feedback? The beer is good. I think the thumbs up is good. Yeah. Welcome. 
Maybe a welcome would be good. Well, hello. I think my... Can I see your spaceship? I'd like to see it inside the spaceship. Oh! I didn't think about that. Mine is... um, My feedback is just we didn't talk... You didn't talk about this, so this isn't a critique, but the physicality of all of this. So I think you start at a far distance from them, and then you walk quickly towards them as you go. That feels a little aggressive to me. It's hello, and then you end in a hug in which you whisper... Whoa! You whisper, do you like beer? <laughs> or pudding. Or pudding. Would you would you have some chocolate pudding with me? Would you have some chocolate pudding with me? Okay, let me just critique that. Okay? First of all, that's aggressive. Yeah, okay? but I think it shows First of all, it shows a lack of boundaries. But you're potentially and personal space. In this moment, you are potentially protecting the earth, right? If they you have to he, in some He sense, might actually be sacrificing himself on our behalf right. with yeah, that with that very gesture. So, getting close, he just becomes the person we identify. This is dangerous because when they kill him, we run away. Exactly. So this you is our should way do but Where are we really going to run to? We're on Earth. Well, either way, we appreciate you laying down your life for us <laughs> as an atoning sacrifice. <laughs> when I get home tonight, I'm going to run up to my wife and give her a big hug and then whisper in her ear. Do you want to have some pudding? With you? Whoa! This is going in a, Whoa. a, a direction. Okay. I, I'm not sure I'm completely comfortable in. (laughs) Suddenly the room got a lot hotter. Holy smokes. (laughs) Could we get the intern to get us some paper towels from my forehead? I'm sweating a little bit now. Okay, so we're going to have a conversation with uh, Brad Swope. And uh, if so, it's a a two-part conversation. If if you're just jumping into this episode, I think you'll be able to kind of just jump right in. Um, but if you want to get a fuller sense of what we've been talking about, uh, maybe a deeper sense of like introduction, then go back and listen to the previous episode. Mm-hmm. But we're going to continue our conversation. Um, Brad Swope, he did his dissertation on violence and how to be more violent. <laughs> oh, wait, that wasn't it. No, it was not how to... it at all. That was not it. it. But it did involve violent. Here, talk to us a little bit. Just give us our listeners a little like context. What are we talking about today? Why? Yeah. So, I mean, the idea is, again, we called it, I call it an evangelical blind spot. Whereas in the culture, the things that we consume pop culture wise, when it comes to sexual content, we're like, whoa. Protect, 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 big right. fence. When it comes to violent content, we think nothing of it and absorb it, consume it. And I think it changes how we relate back into the culture. I think mm-hmm. it reframes our, our thinking about what's acceptable. And <clears throat> what's interesting is a good part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount has to de- deal with violence mm-hmm. and anger. And, and um, so how is it that we have this blind spot where we don't really apply Jesus' teaching in that area of life? So then now looking just – I just focused on entertainment mm-hmm. um, because, and again, people really have to hear this. This is not a position on pacifism. This has nothing to do with police, army, nation state things. This has to do with the things that we allow into our framework to entertain us and how it forms our thinking and then leads us back into the world. So last time we had a pretty good conversation about movies. Um, but that's, that was only one third of kind of the areas that you looked at. You looked at two areas that we want to focus on today, and that is video games. Yeah, video games and MMA, which is mixed. Or, yeah, mixed martial, martial arts. arts. Which, it's just the the first way in to talk about sport as mm-hmm. um, the violence that is is intrinsic to some sport, the effect on the participants, and the effect on us in consuming it as a form of entertainment. So what do you want to talk about first, video games? Video games in some ways are easiest to talk about. They are probably the one, the, the topic that's more interest to the folks in your church and your community yeah, okay. because they got kids playing lots of video games. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fortnite has taken over the world. If you don't know this game, do you know this game? Yeah, uh, yeah I know of it, yeah. Do you play this game? I no, I haven't, I haven't played it, no. Okay. Kids in your home playing it? Nope, Okay. not yet. Not yet. Matt? Yeah. Um, no, I don't play it, but I know I've, of it. I've seen uh, things popping up about Fortnite, but it, I don't know what it is. My it really has. It's it. it's taken over. Like every kid plays, and they play a lot. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you think of Call of Duty and all the rest of them, it's kind of replaced that. 
and is, is this like is, a first person shooter game or is it's it? not first person in the sense that you understand first person is you doing the shooting you see your character in front of you doing the shooting that's the difference between yeah. a first person shooter game yeah so it's not first per- person proper but it's the same kind of video uh, violent content mm. so let's let's maybe pause and set up a framing question that then we can launch into this conversation okay with. yeah yeah um can i do that uh, so we kind of ended one of the things we were talking about last time is the uh, that the, a lot of this is significant to parents, right? And Brad, you shared some of your own personal journey in parenting with uh, some of these questions. And we uh, began to think and then are talking today about video games, which is obviously uh, this, parents are constantly having to deal with this in households where video games are uh, increasingly common. Uh, so... Brad, maybe to kick us off, and I want, I'd want i be curious, a parent comes to you, says, uh, maybe it starts this way, my son or daughter was at a friend's house, and they were playing this game, and now they're asking me to buy that game for them. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's a violent game, a Call of Duty, a Fortnite, uh, something along these lines. Uh, Brad, what should I do? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad, we're ready for a great answer. Tell us what to do. But okay, so of, of course things? I'm not. I, I don't ever like to be in a position of telling people what to do. I I am often I, I enjoy getting people to think about the ramifications and implications of their choices. So we would have to talk about what does fantasy do? How does fantasy work in a person's mind? How does it form us? Um, and can fantasy within this this medium actually change or form? our hearts, our character, the way that we think about the world. That, to me, is an interesting conversation. Mm. So, like, it's, like, like you could say to that parent, imagine a video game in which your kid is not themselves doing this, but is actually performing sexual acts in a video game. Would you let them do that? No, of course not. Okay, why? Well, well, let's go through the biblical ethic of sexuality. Now, let's go through the New Testament ethic of violence, specifically Jesus' teaching. So why is it that we are allowed to fantasize about doing violent acts, but not sexual acts? Mm -hmm. That's a pretty interesting topic to start pursuing. Now, I would not say they're exactly the same thing, and I don't think they have the exact same effect on the person, but when I study this, um, they do similar things in the brain, and both violence and sex has the unique ability to capture our attention. So... Um, you are wired. Both of them have survival value. So depending on how you think about how this all works, you are wired to pay attention whenever sex or violence occurs. This is why this is how whole companies make a living on mm-hmm. clickbait, right? They know what to put in front of you to get you to click on things. So we're wa- wired already to pay attention to it, and so we need to f- start figuring out why. So. So real quick, just a, a point of clarification. When you talk about fantasy, we talked about television movies last time. Yeah. Uh, would you draw a distinction between the kind of fantasizing experience that is video games versus kind yeah. of watching something on the screen? Because it's yeah. more participatory. Well, it's, it's participatory. Uh, one's passive, and, and it forms you in one way, and one's active, and it forms mm. you in a deeper way. Uh, uh, so, um, so I'll just give you an example of something called operant conditioning. So when you do, um, you're shaking your head. The intern's shaking his head, so he knows, he understands this, <laughs> That's right? the record show. So uh, they've done a fair bit of tests about kids that have never fired a firearm, but if they've, if they've become excellent in a first-person shooter, they already have the skill set that makes them better marksmen immediately. So you, the, and you're talking about these aren't kids who like are holding, you know, like an arcade-style gun. These are kids who are like holding a video game controller any range of because actually you're building skill it's building a skill set and so their reaction times their marksmanship all so they've built habits muscle memory and all the rest of that stuff just by playing in the game so you are forming yourself by playing these video games Mm -hmm. now what my son always says to me dad just because i play it 
it doesn't mean I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the next school shooter. Sure. And of course, that's not true. That that is true. When you find these school shootings, and then you hear immediately, oh, this has something to do with violent video games. It's a silly conversation, because <clears throat> what you have really in those very complex social situations is a range of factors. Video games might be a small part of that in terms of forming a mindset, but you have to have all the rest of those risk factors for video games to have the kind of effect where it would lead to a school shooting. Mm -hmm. What you do find, though, and again, this is where video games really is interesting, is the science tells us that the negative effects of playing video games uh, are all wiped away when you do it in community. So if you're doing it with a bunch of friends, you're doing it around teamwork and fun and joy and working together, and when they measure the stuff that's happening in the brain, all the negative effects are wiped away. If you're playing by yourself, there is trait hostility that's triggered. Now the question is, is it short-term or long-term? They're starting to um, – there was a really interesting study about um, what it does to you morally. Mm. So after playing – uh, violent video game, you are more likely to make a morally ambiguous choice immediately oh, wow. following, like cheating, uh, lying, that kind of stuff, yeah. eating poorly. So there seems to be some part of disintegration of uh, moral choices based on just play. What we don't know is how long-term that is. Is it just a three-hour window? Is it a six-hour window? Or as we understand character formation, are you actually building small steps into a larger framework of, of character formation? Mm -hmm. So, what I would say to Mom A. Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. Finally, <laughs> we get an answer. Okay, uh, we're ready. I would have her discuss with her, her son the kind of content that he is being entertained by. I'd want to have that kind of conversation. You understand what, what's happening here? I'd also want to, I would probably want to, um, like with my boys, um, I, I actually allow them to play some of these games. I don't like the more disturbing ones. Um, there is a range of activity, but I almost always insist on them playing it as a social game. I don't have them playing hours and hours by themselves of this video game because I'm still convinced that it has some repercussions in terms of forming their character the way into the world, the way they think about the world. Mm -hmm. So it's not a one-off don't play video games, and it's not a one-off. Some video games, um, to me, are clearly... <laughs> Uh, you just can't like um, Grand Theft Auto, mm. the kinds of things that you're practicing in there, the kinds of acts you're allowed to do, it's really disturbing. So parents have to know what kind of content decisions they're doing. Most of these first-person shooter games aren't, aren't, don't, don't have that kind of content to them, but some of them do, and so they really need to know the kind of content that's in the game itself. Mm. Does that answer some of your questions? Yeah. Yeah. Answers Mom A's question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you say that kids are more like? So I know Aaron plays video games. Yeah, I do, and you know, but my, he's an adult. <laughs> but he's I still consider it a form of entertainment to me. Like, I don't watch, I don't watch sports. I really don't watch a lot of movies, and I don't really play a lot of video games either. That was a little bit of a past life, and now video games are more. I was thinking about this. How what makes them compelling? I think to people, to kids or adolescents especially, is that it's kind of. The goal in a lot of situations is to destroy something, right? It's a lot of destruction as opposed to the games I tend to play like with my son now, like a Minecraft where we're creating something. Uh, and uh, there's another one we play. But I, like I, well, there's I, also games that are problem-solving, critical thinking, yeah, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. So like uh, Kevin Scutt, I think, is an expert in this field. I think he teaches in Trinity Western, and I interviewed him for my project. And he also talked about the, the, the storytelling that's going on yeah. um, in the, the video game itself and how you're participating in it. So, so one of the things he says is that in video games, you're a meaning maker because you're making choices to create the story in front of you, that kind of stuff, which is different than the movies where you're just a passive recipient of somebody else telling you a story. Mm -hmm. Here, you're actually participating in the story. Right. And you get some of the video games are really interesting because it helps you pursue moral choices, like what will I do? What's the right thing to do in this yeah. regard? Yeah. Which is it's also pretty interesting if you think about it. But if I think it's more interesting if you're realizing you're making the choices, not just are engaged at that level. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So... Yeah. That's why it's not a one-off, just sweep it off the table, we can't do it. It takes a lot more thought because I, I, I think it can be a, um, an addiction. That it's actually was just named as uh, – has an right. addictive property, I think, in the last couple that. of weeks, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but it also can be probably a proper form of escape, no different than 
watching a sitcom or you're too tired to really do any heavy reading and so you're just kind of, right? Yep. Um, I'll just mention one other quick thought because yeah. I think this is always helpful for people. Um, in their choices, there's a there's a difference between amusement and recreation. Amusement, root words, think about it, no think, re- recreation, <laughs> recreate, right? Mm. There are activities in which the soul is actually being replenished and re- re- kind of be recreating, and that's somewhere you just turn your mind off. This is this is good. The amusement's a good thing, but it shouldn't be the the only thing that you find in your life, right? That kind of that dead space I don't want to think. So maybe you think too within this framework about how much space do I give to those activities that really are kind of deadening space and that mm. which kind of makes me come alive. I can see the artist kind of shaking his head there, yeah. right? Like, like there's something about creating that's very different from just mm-hmm. doling out in front of the television, mm-hmm. right? I've mentioned this before, like briefly on a podcast episode a long time ago, but um, like I try when I just kind of every day going through life, I try to make decisions on how I'm spending my time in terms of consuming. Like I'm either taking something in or I'm creating, like I'm kind of giving back uh, and using my mind and engaging with the world. And uh, and there are other categories. There's like uh, like kind of a learning and then there's just like a taking care of business sort of category. But um, I try to be really sensitive about how, whether I'm consuming and then to have you break it down between like recreation and amusement is kind of interesting too, because even there, there's even various degrees of consuming that I could be like that are healthier than others, I guess. Can I, can I bring in mom B and another Uh-oh. parent with another yeah. question oh, in mom light of B. this conversation? I think it's really helpful. Uh, so this parent comes and says, you know, what? I listened to Brad Swope once he, he told me or suggested, I think about this stuff. This world just seems so complicated. I don't get it. I don't I have resources necessarily. I don't, to find out what all these games are about. You know, my stance is just, I'm not going to let my children ever play or ever engage in these kinds of violent video games, regardless of the spectrum. If there's violence in it, it's a no in my household. Uh, what, what would you say to that? Because we're talking about, you know, potentially, you know, there's a spectrum, there's maybe some constructive things about playing these kinds of video games together. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Brad? I guess the, the the response would be, all right, let's move it out of that genre and think about Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Let's think about the Narnia Chronicles, right? So um, can violence be a part of those forms and not be... Central. Central or negative mm. or part of something bigger? Um, so again, uh, that that reaction of just cutting it off to me is also a... I refuse to think deeply about it. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather I'd rather you think more deeply about it and wrestle with it because it's the wrestling that actually produces the best fruit than just simply saying, you know. So that, that's why I say we, um, Deadpool. What's the effect? You sit if you sit back and say, what's the effect of watching the movie on me? That's better space than saying you shouldn't go see R-rated movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a completely different. Space. So I understand tired moms and, mm. you know, I, I don't have time to really review everything and so it's easier to make the decision. Uh, I, I get that and sometimes that's that's appropriate, right? But what would it be like, and this is actually, your kids will enjoy this immensely, to sit down and actually try to play the game with them because they're going to be <laughs> so much better than you anyhow. <laughs> um, but, to, like, my kids really want me to engage. I actually... I'm so bad at it that I get, you know, I really can't engage in it. But, <laughs> but it's not the worst thing in the world to sit in the room while they play mm, and maybe yeah. engage with them on it to see. Maybe I don't have to, maybe I can figure it out in that regard and then have some conversations about it. Yeah. I think there's certainly an element to, to this, right? That, that decision, I'm actually pretty, I'm actually probably just naturally sympathetic to that kind of impulse to say, uh, you know what, uh, there's, Ultimately, there are other redeeming things in this world that yeah. you can engage with. So rather than you know, having to wrestle with it, put those off the table. So I'm sympathetic with that. But one, uh, one element of this, right, is the impact on your child's social life, which is not yeah. insignificant. You know, if they're the one kid in their class who can't talk about Fortnite or doesn't know anything about it, that, that's, uh, you know, maybe you decide that's okay. But there's... Uh, there's some level of social cost to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for your kid. And, and also, you, you might say, just imagine the whole Christian community makes that choice. Mm. Well, there's a whole part of the culture that we don't get engaged to That's engage in or influence, right? So, so like, it's the difference by 
being the monk on the hill yeah. or being the person in the city. Being in the city makes you have to engage with where your neighbors are at. Whereas, mm-hmm. um, so I think there's a place for the monk on the hill, yeah, right. but most of us are called to the city. And so that would mean let's, let's try to engage the, the issues so that we can have, a, be a, a, have meaningful conversations within that. Okay, so Brad, just hearing you talk and then hearing uh, Matt put forth these uh, hypothetical parents. <laughs> uh, what Settle I, down, Mom B. <laughs> yeah, Mom B? You ever heard of relaxing? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> anyways, um, what I'm hearing you say is um, you're, you're really encouraging critical thinking. I mean, you've said that numerous times, but you want people to really engage and really think deeply about these things because it's messy. It's, living in the city is messy. It's complex. And there's really not easy answers sometimes to this. It's more nuanced. And that's what I'm hearing you say. You want to encourage that kind of nuanced thinking. And the second thing is to consider a formation. Hmm. Because I, I think sometimes we don't think about how these things are actually forming us. We do when we think about kids and when kids are especially young. Yeah. Then we're kind of more sensitive like, oh, what effect will this have? But I think as kids grow up and then even as adults – we kind of forget about formation. We don't think about being formed by our choices as much anymore, like movies. The choices that we would say are maybe not as important. The big choices in life, jobs, who we marry, um, stuff like that. It's but like our th- brains are formed, but our spirits aren't, are always being formed, right? For our whole Well, lives. I mean, you used the word plasticity before and just for kids. But the reality of it is, is um, I use this in my classes. If, if you've ever worked construction before, it'll take about two days before you will be at least mentally cussing just like yeah. the people on the yep. site. So we, to think that as adults we are immune from influence is just a silly thought. In fact, we are all, I always say to my church, you really never graduate from seventh grade. We're always kind of <laughs> perpetual seventh graders. We dress it up better. But the reality of it is, is, is I'm not sure we're a lot different than children. We can probably dr- bring to mind what's going on a little bit, but we don't. So when we don't bring it to mind, we're just as vulnerable as anybody yeah. else to the influence of the medium in which we, we find ourselves. Um, and if I could just recommend a book, Jamie Smith's book, um, You Are What You Love, talking about desire and your heart um, really forming you, the things you give yourself to really changes, uh, it builds a formation of habit and thus to character. Character really, people think of it usually as terms of good character. You can have bad character, too. It's really just uh, character, just the, all of your habits built together into who you are and how you react in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So I recommend that book as a great read, pretty pretty accessible to think about the issues of formation and, and how what you give your heart to. And, and the, the one of the distinctions he's making in that book is we tend to, as Westerners, think that it has to do mostly with our minds, and he actually locates it more in what you give your heart to as the most formative thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a different way of thinking because really you find yourself following your heart more than your mind. That's why you find yourself doing things you know you know, you should not do, right? Mm. That's the whole premise of his book. So it's a great book mm. for people to explore that a little bit further. Yeah. Okay. So I, I really could talk way more about uh, video games and especially just us being formed and, and, and kids being formed and, and uh, influenced and I'm not by an things. Expert. That might be a part three mm. for you and bringing some other folks, maybe some other people in the room that – or Bring some play. kids in here. Yeah, that would be interesting. Huh? Mm. That was some thoughtful kids to think about. Observe yourself for two weeks and come yeah. talk to us about how it's forming you. That kind of stuff. But we also promised uh, that we talk a little bit about sport today too. So I wanted to um, give Brad a chance to talk about that. Sport as entertainment, violence oh, as entertainment. All right. Any framing questions coming my way? Well, I mean, sports is so much a part. Of our culture, and there's a lot of community that's formed around sports. Super Bowl, watching football, talking about sports. Absolutely. So again, it's a it's it's not as easy as just like chopping it off and being like, nope, it's all gone. I'm going to say no to it all. Or is it as easy as that? No. Okay, so like because you're going to talk about MMA. Well, I'm going to give you a just a real life scenario. Mm. There was a about a year and a half ago, uh, two fighters fought in Iowa maybe a couple hundred spectators. One guy in the eighth round gets knocked down once, gets knocked down a second time. The crowd cheers, of course, because they paid for that knockout. Everyone leaves. 30 minutes later, he collapses with a massive brain bleed, right? A year and a half later, he's lost 
a majority of normal function. Those spectators paid their money and got their money's worth, and they do not know that what they paid for resulted in lasting harm to that person. They are separated from the fact that there's real impact because they're treating it like a movie. They're treating it like I paid my 10 bucks and I'm, I'm witnessing something that's titillating. And now I go home and I say hello to my wife and kids and, and that's that. But the, here's where sport's different. <laughs> All those participants in any range of sports will really suffer um, in some of the most violent forms a great deal of physical harm. And it's for your entertainment benefit. Now, you say um, th that person chose to be in that sport. Um, so why should I care if he chooses to fight, right? Would that be Mom C? Mom C, yeah. Mom C is <laughs> asking that question. That question. <laughs> um, and I would say, okay, well, let, let's take that thought experiment further. And let's say there was a television show where someone was paid a good amount of money to be beat with a two-by-four. Mm -hmm. Would you participate in that? If there was a show that where somebody um, just got paid amount of money to get hit by a car, would, would so is there some line where you would mm -hmm. say it's yeah that's that's not appropriate for human beings to witness that kind of violence? Doesn't matter how much money. So as long as we can say that there's some line, unless we're complete libertarians, there's some line. Then we'd have to figure out where is that where is that moral line to figure out how much violence is appropriate for another person to suffer, even if they get paid for it, even if it's their profession, it, as it's part of my entertainment choices. Mm. Because we can really make this a lot simple. If we stop paying for it, they'll stop getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. So it really is a simple question of the, the, we're creating the market. We're creating the market for that kind of a violence. If the market doesn't exist, those people flow into different professions. Right. That's just the reality of it, right? So we create the market for the violence. They choose because there's a, we pay them a lot of money to, to actually expose themselves to a fair bit of violence. Now, mm. you wanted the definition of MMA, right? Something, so mixed martial arts is really, uh, the history is really, it's fairly new. Actually, it's ancient and new at the same time. But in America, it's, um, the formation of it as a proper sport is only 30 years old. And it used to be a lot less governed, and now it's more governed. But still, it exposes – you can really use any number of martial arts techniques to cause a person to tap out or get knocked out or essentially uh, submit uh, so that the match ends. And so there's kicks and chops and chokeholds and all, all kind of range of things. And, and it's interesting, even though it's mixed martial arts, there's there really – only a limited number of skills that are that seem like to be in any one match now, right? Mm. Um, so it's a fairly violent and fairly bloody sport and still very popular and a growing popular sport. It's worth billions and billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. and um, Is it mostly in the U.S. or is it worldwide? No, it's, it's massive in other places too. Oh, it is. Fox, own, uh, Fox owns all the rights and uh, the, it's in almost every culture. Oh. Um, so, uh, I think it's intrinsic to humanity. We like watching violence is again, what we're wired for. Um, mm. I take you back to your middle school and when there's a fight and the instant crowd doesn't matter for your toleration of violence. Everybody wants to see it's it. It kind of seems like, I mean, just hearing you talk right now, it's almost like we're wired for violence. And you talked about that earlier, like our brains yep. somehow attach to it and pay attention to it. But at the same time, we're bringing in some sort of like moral choice or some reflective ability. Yes, I feel innately drawn to it, sure. but I'm going to choose differently based on, and for us, we would say based on our faith or based on the teachings of Jesus or based on Christianity religion, but other people would have to make maybe a different, re, a different moral choice for different reasons, right? Well, I, I guess the question would be, are, do we want to be more than just our appetites and drives? Right? So that's the animal kingdom. They don't have choice. There's no free will. My dog doesn't choose to drink out of the toilet or not and doesn't choose to bark at the mailman or not. I can make my dog fear the repercussions of her doing that so, so that she doesn't because it's a fear of punishment. But there's no moral choice going on with my dog. Human beings are a different sort of thing. We would create theological language around that saying that's the image of God. But I, I think most human beings would recognize we're a different kind of thing in our ability to make choices. So it's really the kind of person we want to become. 
do we want to be owned by our drives or do we want to be the owner of our drives? Do we want to make choices? So, for example, I'm married. I'm happily married. But I could go to Starbucks today or the mall and see all kinds of women that are attractive to me, right? Do I say, well, I'm, I feel the drive to go meet a woman and – right? Or do I say – the kind of person I want to become is the kind of person who is faithful to my wife. And even though I feel the, the intensity of the drive, I can choose to, to rise above that drive. Our motivation comes from Christ, right? He gives us a picture of what humanity could be. Mm. And the whole Sermon on the Mount is teasing out that space. How do you become a kingdom kind of person? Well, I want to just kind of pull on that thread, too, because we've been talking about individual choices. But there you just brought this idea of that what kind of community are we as well? Not just what kind of person do I want to be, but what kind of community am I being called to be a part of? And what characteristics mark that? What practices? Yeah. yeah to, br to bring this community conversation back to MMA, and this question is kind of still forming in my mind, so help, help me with it maybe a little bit. You know, you talked about we form the market. There's some truth to that. But there's also an element in which MMA hasn't always existed in its multi-million dollar industry. Hmm. You know, there was a time when this was a beginning sport, when the market actually didn't exist for this particular form. And there are people and forces behind it, right? There's advertising. Sure. There's obviously uh, corporations, all these pieces that are behind it. So it, it, str it strikes me when I think about that, when we're thinking about the ethical choice. You know, it's one thing to say, take the money away. But those ads are still going to be splashed, you know, every front page, you know, for people to reminding them, here's this thing that your inclinations want to watch. So I wonder how much this is something that a community uh, ends up being really critical to forming these ethical oh, decisions, where it's not just, uh, you know, I'll take your money away. But um, because of all these other forces, you need almost a community force to push back. Well, you think about the early Christian response to the Colosseums, mm -hmm. really, that they were the driving force to shut down what we would call um, was blood sport, right? Um, and it's the closest, the MMA is the closest thing we have to those gladiatorial contests. Mm -hmm. And the church, as a community, forming an alternative to the culture, said, we will not participate. And because the culture, as, as Christianity rose in the Roman culture, and they did not participate and they critiqued it, largely led the culture itself to end up condemning the practice and then killing it. So there was no Roman gladiatorial contests anymore. So I do think, uh, as pastors, we're thinking about how do we form the kinds of communities that think deeply about these things and make the kind of moral choices where even our small... Uh, I, I think God mostly works in small ways that grow into big things. I mean, the mustard seed illustration. So even in our small context, how do we lead our communities to think deeply about these things so the kind of choices actually do have influence? Mm. Children's children's children, right? Fifth generation. Yeah. So can you speak a little bit more, Brad, because I think we might have skipped maybe a slight point here. For you, there is a fundamental difference. I'm, I'm speaking this because I think you've talked about this before. Uh, there's a fundamental difference between this particular MMA violence sport and the other categories we've talked about in terms of sort of the ethical decision-making and the moral approach. Yeah. Can you just speak to that yeah, and why absolutely. you think that is? So we're, we're talking about CTEs, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, right? This is the condition that is now being exposed in your MMA athletes, your boxers, and primarily your NFL football players. Mm. Um, we're going to probably learn a lot more about what's happening to soccer players um, with mm. with the kind of trauma they experience with the headers. Um, there's probably this with baseball at a smaller level when they get hit with a ball. But there's concussions in every sport. Every time there's a concussive event, uh, we, th we think of it, we used to, as a culture, it's so interesting that we used to, you know, got my bell rung and yeah, get right back celebrate. in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now they're taking it deadly seriously because they understand the kind of trauma that you're facing. Every time you you have a concussive event, not even a concussion proper, it mm -hmm. produces in the brain a protein called tau. Tau is the, the driver that, that forms CTE in the brain. So the recent study about the NFL, they just did a study where they, um, I think somewhere over 220 uh, different bodies were of NFL, college, and high school players, football players were donated, and they did a autopsy on the brains, and they found 
97% of the NFL players had CTE. Um, something like 75% of college players did and 12% of high school players did. So now we're worried about in the game, the concussive event. What we're not realizing is every practice you're exposing yourself mm. to concussive events, right? So you think about the number of times you're getting your bell rung in one form or another. Every time there's trauma. And what you cannot predict is some people are susceptible, so it creates CTE, and somebody, some people aren't, but there's no test for it. The only way you know is after you die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now you have 80 players, and some percentage of them with concussive events are going to have CTEs as a result of it. And you just don't know, you just don't know about it after you die, the, the symptoms of it. So You so, start having motor function problems. That's right. Um, so you so, become suspicious and you think this person might have CT, but you don't actually know until they pass away. You don't actually know. Away. It can't be diagnosed until you actually do an autopsy. No. I'm, I'm sure they're working on tests on this, but, uh, but you'll, you know, you, you, in our childhood, we remember when we would talk about boxers being punch drunk. They're in their 40s, right? They're slurring their speech. They're not forming mm -hmm. sentences, right? So now we understand that what we're talking about. So... So now they're finding these, these athletes who have these 10, 12-year careers, right? Uh, in their 30s and 40s, they can't remember their way home from the bank. They can't remember their kids' names. So now the moral question becomes, should I be entertained by something that's leading to that kind of deprivation of life? So for me, if the brain is the, the organ through which the soul is conveyed you are actually talking about the image of God not being fully expressed in that person any longer because mm -hmm. of the brain injuries they're suffering based on your entertainment dollars. So I've paid to see their, the image of God diminished in that person so it cannot be fully expressed. I'm not saying they're not made in the image of God any less. I'm saying the expression of the image of God mm. uh, can't be fully released anymore because the organ was so damaged that, it, that conveys the soul. Now, you put it that way, and you think, I don't know how a Christian could, could participate in such things. Mm. Now, you would say, the first pushback, Mom D, will then say, <laughs> my daughter loves, loves martial arts. And I say, great, if you like it as a sport, as an exercise, if it's something you find fulfillment in, if it gives her confidence, if there's a self-defense class, go for it. Let's just not enter be entertained by it. Let's just shut out the spectator. Mm. You can, you can I, I don't really want to stop your, your, you from... If the sport's meaningful to you, enjoy the sport. But why would we pay money to be entertained by a sport where we know, there's not a doubt, we know that there's real harm being done to the participants? And this is where the spillover comes to NFL football, right? right? This, this is the scary thing because we love the sport. It's a very American thing. It's how we connect. It's a social thing. But now we're starting to see these guys have a three- to five-year career. Yeah. And the kind of damage they're having to their heads, but also to their knees and to their backs and to the necks. Ryan Shazier, just uh, a, a parallelism case just mm -hmm. last year on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we're saying it's a gladiatorial contest, right? And we're paying to be entertained by people really suffering um, before our eyes and then outside of the scope of what we see in their actual lives away from the field. Mm -hmm. I think that deserves much deeper thought and reflection um, as to whether the Christian community can continue to be entertained in those venues. Mm -hmm. It's just worthy of us thinking about. And I'll let people make their own conclusions, but as soon as you, the, the question gets loosed on the soul a little bit yeah. and you have to think about it, it changes the way you're going to pursue that sport. It's, you're not going to celebrate. So like I know people who say, I watch the NFL not for the violence. I watch it for the the strategic nature of it, right? Mm -hmm. The kind of iron... The athleticism. The, and the, yeah. it's will yeah. versus will, right? And I say uh, to that person, well, then you should be the first in line to support the kinds of rule changes that would ultimately protect the player. Mm -hmm. So celebrate the sport for the things that you can enjoy, not for the violence, and then be the loudest proponent for them changing every possible rule so that... So don't be the one that complains when they talk about changing you can't lead with the head. Um, be the one that says, I understand perfectly, and I support that. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to have very little influence on that regard, but if that's your way into the support, I would say that's the moral space that you can occupy. Mm -hmm. um, to say, I have to be for the... I want to be... Love my neighbor has to mean I have to care for the athlete that's getting hit. It can't not mean that, right? 
Um, so I have to I have to want I have to act for want and and work for the best for that person. So how do we do that with those athletes? I guess is the question. We've kind of talked about all three of these things, uh, and it's been really helpful. And I think there's so much more we could talk about each of these. Um, one of the things that we've talked about is just the way that each of these things and our participation in them form us. And uh, we've probably all had some level of exposure to elements of uh, television, movies, video games, and sports that form us negatively or that maybe fracture our souls in some way or break our souls in some way. My question here as we kind of come to the end of this conversation is, how do you begin to heal the soul? How do you have sort of a uh, soul building activity when you've had this kind of exposure to these things? Um, I have a couple thoughts. One comes out of Greek philosophy. Um, the kinds of questions that the Socrates and Plato and Aristotle asked was, what is a good person and mm -hmm. what is a flourishing life? These are questions, uh, and I would add, what is a good person and how do you, how do you become a good person? These were these were foundations of Greek philosophy. I think Jesus builds on this, right? Mm. The idea of the vision of the kingdom of God is he is presenting a vision of a flourishing human life and a flourishing human life that's just oozes of goodness and love. And so the idea would be, how do you become a good person? Well, you have to find somebody that's good. That's Jesus. We put Jesus in front of us, right? So the idea is, uh, borrowing from Dallas Willard, vision, intention, means... So if we're talking about larger formation question, we have to have a vision of Jesus and the kingdom of God as the, f the example of the flourishing life. And everything he asks of us is not, is not like taking our medicine. It leads us to the best sort of life. So for me, when I think about these kinds of questions, I say go dive deep into the Sermon on the Mount where you get the best, fullest picture of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. It's descriptive, not prescriptive. It's not telling you what you have to do. It's telling you this is what's possible now in the kingdom of God. So this beautiful vision leads you forward. From that vision, it goes deep into the soul, and you have to decide that's what you want. How do I become the kind of person who can live within the con context of the kingdom of God? But even that's not enough, because we know the path to hell is paved with good intentions, right? The idea is, are there means or methods? Are there practical things that I have to put in place in my life? We might call them spiritual exercises, spiritual disciplines. It could be accountability. It could be any range of things that I have to pursue so that what I've intended, so to capture that vision, become a reality. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's a whole other question about what Christian formation is. These are the kinds of things that Christian communities should be talking about. Yeah. How do we become students of Jesus that will form us to be people who are pervaded with love and goodness? Well, that is worthy of a whole life's pursuit. Brad, thank you for joining us today. That didn't sound like BS at all. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I feel like we could have talked another hour about that. Yeah. Well, I'm Sam. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. I'm Brad. And thanks for being curious with us. Mm -hmm.